to Promoted, the podcast which helps you get promoted and be great when you get there. I'm your host, Felicity Fury, CEO and co-founder of We Aspire, and we have a very special guest with us today. It is actually one of our new co-hosts, Miss Renee Wooten. You are an aerospace engineer, pilot, and speaker. There are so many impressive things about you. I feel like my favorite one in the moment is that you've been accepted for an internship to NASA, which is pretty much the coolest thing I've ever heard in your career. Was that something that you aspired to achieve in your career or wow, how did you even get there? Um, well, to start with, it's such a pleasure to be here. I um, always love connecting with you and now to be the co-host with you on this incredible podcast is such an honor. Um, did I aspire to one day go to NASA? Um, no, that's <laughs> the answer. I can't believe it myself. Um, Whilst there will be plenty more information coming out um, over, you know, the coming year on that, there's, you know, so much kind of history and so many decisions that led to that being possible. Um, I've always had an affinity for aviation and the aerospace industry since I was 15. So to think now that I've been able to work towards the pinnacle and getting experience with an organization, um, an industry, a brand, um, you know, um, a cult like NASA <laughs> for us aerospace uh, nerds is uh, phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, can't believe it myself. It's so incredible. I mean, I'm not an aerospace and en engineer. I am an engineer and I feel like that is just like dream goal. Like it just almost seems unimaginable. And you grew up in a small regional town in New South Wales. You got into aviation through Air Force Cadets back in the day when you were 15. What was kind of that first goal that you had did you have a first step in that process of oh I want to go to uni or what yeah what did that look like for you yeah so I would say it started well before I even got to the uni conversation I was through school trying to figure out what career I'd like to pursue and I think the Air Force cadets was uh really helped me align the stars in terms of yes aviation is the thing for me but what is it within aviation that I'm going to actually pursue and I think um I have always had this natural affinity of saying yes to challenges and to opportunities and I can't tell you where that came from but uh, even joining Air Force Cadets when I was kind of 15, I was new to this town that I just moved to and I needed to make friends. Um, I was pretty isolated and lonely. It was a huge change. You know, I moved when I was right in the midst of U10. So it was kind of that crucial period before making all those decisions about um, your subject selection for your 11, year 12, but also such a crucial time around, you know, uh, pockets of friends and um, the different cliques that had formed and all that sort of thing. So when I moved to this regional town, I uh, was the new kid on the block, but I was also, um, you know, quite foreign to people because everyone in that town had grown up together. So mm -hmm. it was really hard to, kind of adjusting to those groups of people, but then also at the same time figuring out what subjects I was going to do and where my career was going to take me. So Air Force cadets helped me bring all of that together. Um, and really set me on my path to aerospace engineering. And that decision came from my curiosity around aircraft. Every time I would go on an, uh, go to an event, go on a camp, um, get exposure to aircraft, I was just so hungry to learn more and that curiosity never ended. So that's what led me to then 
trying to figure out what degree might be the best fit for me. And because of the curiosity I had around aircraft and really digging deep to understand how they fly, what makes them work, how does something so big get up in the air, it was clear to me that I had to do aerospace engineering because that was the only thing I was motivated to do. So cool. So you're someone I can definitely see uh, goes and says yes to opportunities, but I feel like there's also this real fight in you, Renee, where you go, yes, that's the opportunity and I'm going to, there's been, you know, some obstacles kind of in your path along that journey. Can you tell us a bit about that aspect and maybe you wouldn't describe it as that, maybe you describe it another way of, okay, cool, I want to go here, not quite a clear cut answer, I'm going to have to fight to get there. What would, how would you describe that as like, I feel like it's you're a goal achiever rather than a goal setter. You're going to figure out what is ever in your path to achieve that goal. Um, yeah, is that kind of part of your character, would you say, your nature to fight for things? Or was it that you were just so dogged about achieving some of those goals that you set? Um, I think it's been an evolution of my character over time and proof uh, that I can achieve things uh, if I set my mind to it, but also consistently uh, achieving goals, building confidence that I can achieve them and then being really clear and aligned in where I really want to go and what my passions are and intuitively making decisions. So all of those things I have built over time, but it started from a place of curiosity that's kind of innate in my character. So saying yes to things um, and turning up, but Again, everything really came together when I joined Air Force Cadets. So it was this chance happening of me going along to a night and um, registering to kind of, you know, learn more about the program. Once I went along and did that, I realized, yep, these are my people. I'm really curious to learn more. And then from there, every time I have made decisions in line with my passions and my curiosity, if I don't have the answer and I've set a goal and I don't know how to get there, I will go and speak to as many people as I can to figure out what is a possible pathway. Then I will try every pathway possible until I achieve that goal. So good. It's amazing. I think it's really cool what you said around finding people to help you get there because often it looks like when you achieve a goal, it's you're an individual and you've done that on your own. How do you go about even approaching someone, it's something that comes up. I feel like one of the most you know, common questions that people have that we work with is around how do I find a mentor? How do I get one? How do you go about? Do you just you know, LinkedIn stalk people or find about them in the newspaper and ask them? And, and how do you get them to say yes? Yeah, I've absolutely done the LinkedIn stalk in the past, but one of the many avenues I've tried. Um, it's really been a number of different things. Um, it's been family, it's been friends, it's been mentoring programs it's been emails sent um to managers that inspire me or i aspire to kind of build the same sort of leadership capability as them uh, on the job throughout and um, over the years in on the workplace experience type jobs so um it's not been one single thing. I think the one thing that I've learned over my time is it's so important to have an array of people around you, a village of people, because your career is one of the many facets of life that you're trying to navigate. Having relationships, um, whether it be intimate relationships or just friendships, um, business partnerships, whatever they are, you will need advice and ways to navigate each of those relationships in different ways. So it really does take a multitude of mentors for you to navigate those. But obviously, you know, the primary one is um, 
normally your employment, um, particularly early on in your life. So um, I think when you try and identify who those people are, uh, it's normally people that you organically click with, someone you uh, are inspired by, somebody who cares about you and you have trust for them. Um, I think it has to be this mutual, trustworthy, uh, um, energized sort of relationship. And I generally find those are the best sorts of organic mentor um, mentoring relationships. But then uh, applying for programs is also another phenomenal way to get you kickstarted. If you don't have people like that that you organically click with or are inspired by in your circle of people today, and that generally happens. Um, particularly for people like me that grew up in small community towns where uh, you don't really have too many examples of incredible leadership or you haven't met somebody that's kind of inspired or ignited the fire within you around that passion and that, you know, um, that thing that kind of gets you excited to get out of bed in the morning. So that's when you generally have to reach out and try and find different avenues and mentors um, through different platforms. So some of those platforms that I can pick off off the top of my head would just be reaching out to companies via Google and just trying to get connected um, by email and those ways. LinkedIn is a phenomenal resource as well as Kintel is another one. Um, so if you jump onto any of those sorts of platforms, typically you can find somebody in the realm of what you're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. And Michael, my husband's actually used Kintel, so it's spelled with a K, K I N T E L L. Is that right? Yes, yep. that's one. Yep. Yeah, he got connected with this amazing woman who helped him complete his, who coached him around completing his financial planning um, qualification. And it was such a random, phenomenal help. And then she's helped him in all these other ways outside of that as well. So, absolutely. Really cool. Uh, so it's, that's a really awesome one that I definitely recommend too. And the programs are really interesting. I hadn't really thought about it until you just said that. And if I look back at my different networks over time, when you're put in an environment of like-minded people and there's mentors and there's support and leaders around you, it can really shift that trajectory. And I remember being 25, starting Power of Engineering, not knowing any other young person who had started a not-for-profit. I felt really lonely. There weren't people like me in the engineering industry. And I did a program with young social pioneers and there was 18 of us who were all under 30 and we'd all started some kind of social enterprise or charity. Yeah. And it was so cool and refreshing to meet the people in that program. They've become some of our best friends. They are godparents to our children. They were in our bridal party at our wedding. And it just really shifted my perspective on where I could go. So I think you've done Career Trackers program. That's been a big part and Superstars Welcome. Yeah. Are there the programs that come to mind for you? Yeah, absolutely. I think Career Trackers was a game changer for me. So for anyone that doesn't know that program, it's for Indigenous students um, trying to get a private sector internships. So they link um, tertiary qualified um, students to private sector internships. I was matched with Qantas. And so obviously, as soon as I got to Qantas, it was phenomenal. Um you know, going into the business and being able to meet the incredible people that I did there, uh, whether it was my managers, my peers, or just other people across the business. Um, that was kind of the first stepping stone and the major stepping stone for me to kind of, you know, um, kind of traject or to, to launch my career and propel it forward. But, um, uh, outside of that, uh, the Career Trackers Internship Program also provided a women mentoring program. So I was able to be connected with a phenomenal leader um, 
Nicole Sabora from the Quarry Bank. Uh, and, you know, over her life, she's obviously seen so many kind of barriers to entry. So she was able to share uh, opportunities there. But uh, I would say the majority of my mentors have actually been uh, my managers. Mm. I've had such good managers over the times, um, over my employment that, uh, yeah, today I'm still in touch with people that I started working for about 12 years ago. So that's awesome. And people don't just stay within the same organization. They often change and move around so you can. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Journey as well. So you started off with quite a technical background as an aerospace engineer. You've then taken on some more strategic roles and your current role is in that strategy space. That space, that's a very bad analogy for. <laughs> Sorry, Renee. Uh, you've you've had some quite different roles and I know you, you've done some really technical work on algorithms around aviation fuel as an example how do you think about that kind of journey and adding things into your toolkit is there a specific kind of you know puzzle that you're putting together for a future role and have those things been deliberate to go from technical to strategic to to leading a team yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, I don't think that there's been a plan in the number of moves that I've made over my career, but I can see in hindsight, uh, I can join the dots in hindsight to really go, I can see why I made that move and now I can see the incredible benefits that it's added for me to be able to propel forward and get promoted and move into the next role. Um, so I think before you can really excel in a certain area, you have to become a technical expert in ways. Um, so building your technical expertise in an engineering business is in incredible for a number of reasons because it gives you the capability to understand the project work. It also builds your qualifications and your credibility and respect amongst your peers. Mm -hmm. uh, but then eventually when you're leading teams, it really gives you insights and awareness around the intricacies, the nuances of that role uh, and the challenges that those individuals will face when you're leading them as well. So um, I think it's important to become a technical expert in some fields before you can then go and lead in those areas. Um, for a few of those reasons. So I think for me, um, you know, I entered the workforce as an engineer because that's where my passion lied. But then on the advice of my manager at the time and a mentor of mine, I was given the advice to leave engineering for my graduate program once I'd graduated from my undergrad uh, and go and get experience in other businesses outside of engineering, but still within aviation. And so that led me to areas like revenue management, which is like, you know, all about money and ticket prices and competitors and then group fuel environment all about saving fuel and how to run um, a sustainably economic business and then uh, network strategy is all about you know where we place fleet types and on what routes etc so just learning uh, more broadly about aviation business really helped me contextualize the importance that engineering plays within all of those as well um, and the the kind of um the impact in getting that experience meant that I could do my job better as an engineer because I had more perspective and appreciation for other elements of the business. Um, but equally, it helped me contextualize the importance that engineering plays um, within their roles as well. So um, I think um, my my lenience to kind of go and get all of that experience and leave engineering was really driven by an innate interest, again, coming back to that curiosity that I had to, had as a kid. It's kind of come back out through the decisions I've made in my career. Um, but also, I would say, you know, when we speak about leadership, there's nature versus nurture. Um, I think my nature genetically is that 
I am more curious about the bigger picture. I have a preference for learning about and understanding the why in every situation. So what's my role at, at a very junior level and why am I playing that role in the context of the broader strategy within engineering? But then what is the broader strategy outside of engineering and how does that influence the decisions being made at senior leadership within the engineering business? Like I'm always asking why, why, why? And until I get that solved for me, um, I find it really hard to understand my purpose and the role that I'm playing. So yeah, that's some of the context. So good. There's so many, oh, so much gold in what you're saying. And I think one big thing is that you just talked about the business aspect of what you're doing. And at the end of the day, oh, I can't think of really any role that's not working in a business. Even if you're working in government, there's still, there's a different focus on say, um, the client or the customer is the, the public or the constituents. But I think often as particularly as technical professionals or engineers, we miss that bigger picture business context. And I feel like for our first time leaders, that the biggest gap that we see is that business acumen understanding the financials and how it all fits together and the other piece of what you're sharing which is great was around you go oh here's this broad big picture but to get this I really need to understand the detail and go deep on a few things so you balance that really well between what's the detail what do I need to know why is that important in that huge big picture so you've had a number of promotions in your career I you know I'm thinking how many. I would I would say it's a lot. Significant, significant number of promotions. <laughs> yeah. Is there you know anything that you think about, you know, when you go into preparing for these kinds of roles and assessing them as the right opportunity for you? Absolutely. Um, so over my career, pretty much every decision that I have made and every role that I've gone for um, has been aligned to my purpose and has been aligned to my values and my passion. So when I say, you know, big words like that, uh, really what I'm trying to say is I'm so clear on what gets me out of bed in the morning. Um, so aviation for me is a pillar um, of kind of, it's a foundational pillar when I make decisions. So um, I have left the aviation industry only once in my career um, and went and worked for Kintel, the tech startup. And um, in the time that I worked for them, I really missed aviation. And so I realized actually um, aviation is pretty crucial to what gets me out of bed in the morning. So I'm going to stay in aviation. Um and then second to that, um, I haven't gotten every job that I've ever applied for. And, uh, and it's shocking, Renee. How do they not point out? <laughs> because, you know, um, sometimes you throw your hat in a ring and it doesn't work out and that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm a strong believer in what's meant for you won't go past you. So <laughs> and, um, I can't I can't say with 100% certainty that I've been super clear in every role that I've gone for but the ones that I've landed um I've grown so much that it surprised myself then and what opportunities it's opened up for me from there so as an example I went from um you know a recent undergraduate graduate in a grad program then I went into a tech startup then I went and got my pilot's license and became a performance engineer and then um from there, I became a project engineer, so leading a team of engineers. And then from there, I went and, again, lost the team and became a commercial manager. So I didn't manage anyone then, but I was developing a whole new set of skills. And then 
from there, I moved back into another kind of employment strategic manager where I then had direct reports again. But each time I've uh, moved throughout my career, the responsibility and accountability has increased incrementally. Um, or it hasn't changed as you make like a horizontal move, but essentially every move that I've made has developed me in a whole new way. And I love that. I don't, I'm not somebody who thrives in consistency. I thrive in inconsistency. So I love learning. I love, um, being challenged. So I really, as much as it's super overwhelming to make those moves and make them relatively often, um, uh, for me, it's kind of what is the spice of life, I guess. I love kind of throwing myself in the deep end and learning. And once I've learned or conquered a job, I get bored very quickly. And then I'm like, right, I need to go again. <laughs> I love that. I'm exactly the same. My mom can always tell when I'm ready to leave a job because she goes, oh, you're bored again. Oh, you're going to be going to <laughs> That was not like the hardest thing, like hearing your family be like, ah, oh, she's born again. Like, she's happening again. And then my mum can see it before I can see it. And my, I mean, she's my mum, so, you know, go figure. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> we try and like overcome it. We're like, no, it's not. Like, I'm not bored. It's just been 18 months, but I swear I'm kind of not bored. And then you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm done, yeah. <laughs> That's why structural engineering never worked out for me when I was uh a grad because i designed a retaining wall i was like okay great i'm done they're like great you're going to be designing retaining walls for the next six months and i was like get me out of here run, <laughs> run. <laughs> <laughs> all right we're going to be hearing a lot more about your career all the incredible things that you've been doing uh over your career on the upcoming episodes of this podcast. We're going to dive into all different areas of your expertise. As we wrap up this episode, have you got one piece of advice that you would give people who are looking to get promoted and be great when they get there? Uh, you can't do anything alone is my piece of advice. So um, anyone that you think is doing it alone uh, most certainly isn't. So uh, lock in those mentors, find support. You need a village of people to get anywhere. So make sure you leverage that support or go and find it if you haven't got it already. So good. I love that advice. Thank you so much, Renee. It's been an absolute pleasure. Can't wait to chat to you more over the next and upcoming episodes. You are amazing and you inspire me every day. Thanks so much for being here. Right back at you, Felicity. Thank you. Thank you.